We are continuing our series, Dangerous Prayers, and I'm absolutely enjoying it. But before we dig into the service, I just want to acknowledge again that we are a multi-site church with six locations in Minnesota, one in Spain, one in Swaziland, an online group that watches us all the time. And uh, I'm just thanking God for what he's doing. Uh, We are praying about more campuses, and uh, we are celebrating that with this technology, we could right now uh, have our other campuses watching and and tuning in and being a part of this. So as a a celebration of all that God's doing and to say hi to all the other campuses, let's just show our, our joy and appreciation for what God's doing, and let's clap and say welcome to all the other campuses. Can we do that? It's all good. Yes. I'm just blown away, I mean, with what God's doing. The other day I was in Valencia at our campus there. It was packed. Uh, we were trying to figure out where do we go from here? What do we do? And that hasn't always been the case. And uh, it's summer. And if you don't know, if you think Minnesotans disappear in the summer, you should see Spaniards. They're like, it's hot, we're out of here, good night. You know, so it was packed. And so that one's growing. Our dining area campus is just bursting at the seams. And, and just, we have prayer for uh, and plans for a couple more next year. So uh, thank God for all that he's doing. Now, as we're in this series, Dangerous Prayers, um, I have enjoyed it because it stretched us. And it's, it's one of those series that's kind of hitting us. How many know what I'm talking about? It hits you. It maybe hurts a little, but it, it hurts in a good way. It's like having a workout and being sore afterwards, but knowing that you're being built up and you're going in the right direction. And that's what this feels like. Um, it's been said about pastors that our job is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And I think that's what we're doing in this series. Some of you are like, ooh, that kind of got me. And I do want to give a shout out to our ladies in the church. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, I preached pretty hard to the men. And I said, you know, you got to take care of the ladies or it hinders your prayer. And you're the thermal mug and she's the teacup. And come on, take care and be nice. And, and the ladies, instead of coming up to me and saying, that's right, way to get the guys. I, I, no kidding. I had probably close to three dozen ladies come up to me and say, where's our message? The hard one. Where are you going to give us the hard message to tell us how to live so we can get, like, you really took it to the guys. When are you going to take it to us? And I was like, okay, I'll work on it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. One lady came up to me and she said, after you preached that message, my husband left in tears, bawling. And she was later on that week, he washed my feet and said, I want to be a man of God that takes care of you. And she said, I started crying thinking, I want to be a woman of God that's worthy to have her feet washed. And she's like, just tell me how to be the woman of God that's worthy of having my feet washed because my husband is changing and I wanna match what's going on in his life. So this is what God is doing in this series. And I thank God for this, that we're growing and we're being challenged. And today's another one that's gonna hit you and your flesh is gonna rebel against this one. 
When I tell you what this prayer is, your flesh is gonna rebel immediately and say, not for you, don't take this one too serious. This is not a prayer, that one's dangerous, don't do it. Now don't listen to your flesh. Listen to what the Spirit of God's gonna say to you because the prayer we're gonna look at today is found in Psalm 139 and I'll tell you what it is before we read it. It's just this, it could be two words or four words. Search me. If you want it as four words, it's search me, O God. You're gonna ask God to search you and to look inside you and see if there's anything that needs to go. You're gonna go and say, search me, put the spotlight on, look at my life, God, and take a look. And again, your flesh is like, no, don't do that. Some of us have a, a natural rebellion against holiness and about the things of God and holiness. We've maybe had a bad experience of holiness and, and we kind of pushed it away and we thank God for grace, but we don't pursue purity and holiness. And holiness has a bad rap. It's a beautiful thing. Some have an idea that holiness means that you have to wear all black clothes and, and ladies have to put their hair in a bun and no makeup and you gotta look mean and that's a bad view of holiness, okay? That's not our view. I think we can look like the culture, but we can be holy. We can be relevant, but we can be holy. We can be in the midst of people and not look different because our hair is different. We have no makeup and, and all this, but we can look different because our speech is godly. Our conduct is godly. Our marriages are godly. Our, our internet history is godly. We can have holiness and stand out in those ways and not by our looks. And, and it's a bad thing that that's what people think of holiness. And I know some of you are like, I don't even know that look, but... I grew up in that a little bit and went to a Bible school that was like that. And I can remember they asked an old preacher, they said, you know, are you for makeup or opposed to makeup? This is back when like makeup was an issue for ladies in a holiness church. And I'll never forget, his name was C.M. Ward. And he said, I am for makeup. He said, if the barn needs paint, paint it. And I was like, oh, well, so he said it, not me. All right. But I know some of you, you're like, I don't even know that world of holiness. I don't even know that world. Okay, but here's the thing. It's sad we don't even know holiness today. We love grace and we need grace and it's all about grace, but we need holiness. And the holiness, the purity in our life needs to reflect our joy of what God has given to us. And I thought about this. How could I illustrate this for us? You know, I love to give illustrations to help make the word uh, be applicable to your life. And this is what God gave me. I was doing my devotions and I was sitting on our our kind of our three season porch and, and uh, we have this area where we look in our backyard, we have trees in the backyard, it's kind of a wetlands area and we love to do our devotions there and as I was doing that, I looked down and I saw our landscaping, all these beautiful plants and flowers and, and you know, the mulch and everything and then I noticed there are all these weeds growing in it. Not little weeds, I'm talking like four foot tall weeds. I mean, neglect all summer long weeds, you know, that almost looked like they were plants because they were flowering, you know, they were, but they were weeds. And, and as I'm doing that, God gives me this illustration, so I'll share it with you. Um, you may not know this, but in 2008, um, our church had a financial crisis, okay? The economy had a financial crisis. Ours was unrelated, but we had a financial crisis. And I can remember standing before the church and saying, we need the best gift that you can give financially. We're, we're in a crisis. We need to get through this. And I can remember God telling me, he said, you're going to give all your landscaping money. Now, to, so you understand this, we had just purchased a new home and we were getting, it was February. We had no landscaping. It was mud. 
And in the spring, we were going to do landscaping. And we had just three or $4,000, not that much, but it was set aside for landscaping, really. And so God says, give that. You're going to give that. And so I told Becca, I said, I think God wants us to give this money. And she's like, well, what are we going to do for landscaping? I said, well, we won't have any this year. We just have to be obedient. So we did it. And we gave the money with joy. We didn't make a big deal out of it. Matter of fact, we didn't tell anybody. About six weeks later, a guy's visiting our church, doesn't go to our church. And he says, uh, hey, I'm worshiping today. And all I keep thinking about in worship is I'm supposed to do your landscaping. He's like, I own a landscaping. Does that make any sense to you? And I'm like, yes, stay there. <laughs> so I go and grab Becca and I bring her. I said, tell her what you just said. He goes, I don't go to your church. I'm worshiping and God says, I'm supposed to do your landscaping. Does that make sense? She starts to cry. I tell him the story. He's like, done. Now I want to let you know, he comes and does our landscaping. It's not three or 4,000. It's like 20 some thousand dollars worth of landscaping. He takes it to a whole nother level and he's doing the landscaping. And it's so amazing that our neighbors came over and they're like, Hey, can we hire you? And he goes, I don't usually work in your neighborhood. You know I mean? Like, wow. Like he's like this level of landscaper guy, you know? It's absolutely amazing. It just looks spectacular. And here's the point what I'm getting to, not about like give and watch what God does, but I will say this. When you're obedient, okay, when you're obedient, God is smiling. And when God's smiling, anything can happen. Okay? I'm not guaranteeing you that if you're obedient and you give the money, he's going to quadruple or seven times your investment. I'm not, but I am guaranteeing you this. When you're obedient, God's smiling and anything can happen. And you want to be in that position. But here's where I'm going at. It's been a few years now. I'm looking at our landscaping. The weeds are there. I'm so grateful for the gift that was given to me, but I'm looking at the weeds. And I'm realizing that the gratefulness that I have for the gift that is given to me is not being reflected in the weeds that are growing in my landscaping. They in no way show how grateful I am for the gracious gift that he gave to me. And yet through neglect, through my own busyness, through just life, through the fact that weeds grow way faster than I ever thought they would, okay? In no way does it reflect how grateful I am. And I'm looking at these weeds and I'm thinking to myself, if he was to come up to our house, if he was to pull up into our yard and pull up in the driveway and I saw him out there in his car, I would run out there and I'd be like, there's nothing to see here, nothing to see. I'm so grateful for what you did for, you, for us. I'll take you out to dinner. Don't go in the backyard. <laughs> Think about it. We're so grateful for grace and what God has done, the beautiful garden that he gave you. But are the weeds that are growing in your life not a reflection of how grateful you are of grace. Like you love grace, but the weeds of lust and anger and greed and, and just all these other things that are growing in your garden, are they saying that, you know, I don't know if he really appreciates grace. I don't know if he really appreciates all that I've done. I don't know if she gets it that she used to be this and I planted this beautiful garden and yet she's letting it go. She's not working on those habits that are holding her back. She's still getting drunk on Friday night and it's tearing her down and that weed of alcohol is growing over and over again. I don't know if she understands the grace that was given to her. Wow. God has given us so much. Grace is so beautiful and I'm just praying that 
The weeds that are there in our life, we'll want to pull them out. We'll want to do a little maintenance. We'll want to pray, search me, O God. Pull out the weeds so that my current day condition shows how grateful I am for the grace that you gave me that one day. Wow. All that from weeds in landscaping. I thought about this. I thought... I need help to pull those weeds. So I thought about getting the interns out there because it is a sermon illustration. <laughs> and I thought that's an abuse of power. So I did not do that. All right, just so you know. But the Holy Spirit will help you pull the weeds. The Holy Spirit will help you to take care of it. And today I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will help us to pull out the weeds that shouldn't be there and don't show how much we love the beautiful thing that God has planted in our life. So with that being said, let's look at Psalm uh, 139. Uh, we're going to take a look at this and let it speak to us, and let's let God pull some weeds in our life. Psalm 139. I'm going to read it in the NIV and in the message, because I love the way the message says it. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, then jump to 23 and 24. You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You have me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Verse 23, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let me just read this in the message and let it speak to you. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm gonna say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead, and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Verse 23, investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. Wow. Strong, strong things from the Word of God. One more scripture I want to read. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Can I stop there for a second? Think about it. See what great love God has put on us that he's planted a beautiful garden of grace and he's called you his child. And that's what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. This is the verse I want to get to. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Just as he is pure, we purify. If we have the hope of heaven, if we have the hope of salvation, if we know the beautiful joy that God has done, that he's planted this beautiful garden in our life, then we're going to purify ourselves because he's pure and he wants us to be pure. So let's look at this. Search me. Search me, O God. The psalmist says, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, purge me, lead me. And he says, search me. And he's asking God to put the spotlight on. And, and if you could envision this, he's saying, put the spotlight on every single area. Go from room to room of my life, God. 
Go everywhere with that little spotlight, the big spotlight. Put it on. Look behind every hidden area and put the spotlight on it. And look if there's anything that shouldn't be there and get it out. I was thinking about this with the spotlight. My wife absolutely loves, Becca loves CSI shows. She just loves the whodunit CSI. And as I'm watching it, it always bothers me that they don't turn the lights on when they go to a crime scene. Like it's dark and they walk around with the flashlights. And I'm like, turn the lights on, guys. So I had to research that, and I found out they don't turn the lights on because they don't alter the crime scene in any way, shape, or form. And then the other thing is, when they have the flashlight on, it helps them to focus. If they hear a noise over there, they've got to look with the flashlight, and then they go back to what they're focusing on, and they spotlight, and they focus exactly in every single area looking for anything that's out of order. That's the picture. The psalmist is saying, search me. Look for every little area. Matter of fact, uh, when, the, when the Jewish people would purge their house of leaven, we'll get to that in a minute, they would take a candle. They didn't have a, a flashlight, but they would take a candle at night to every little corner and look with a candle because they wanted to make sure that every little area was investigated with intensity. That's how we're praying. God, search me. Search me. Look with intensity to every single area of my life. Search me. Now think about it. We don't pray that prayer very often, and that is a prayer we need to pray. And the reason it's dangerous is only because our flesh is mounting up against it, saying, don't pray that, don't pray that, don't pray that, but don't listen to your flesh. Amen. Now it's interesting that the psalmist would say, search me and look inside my heart. God already knows what you're doing. Hebrews says there's nothing hidden. Hebrews 4 talks about that. There's nothing hidden. So the psalmist is saying, search me and look. And so why would he say that? If God already knows what you're doing, what you're thinking, he knows your words before you speak them, why would you have to invite God to search you? And here's why. You're saying, I want to up the relationship to another level. I want to be more transparent to you. God is waiting for you to initiate the transparency that will take you to another level. He's already there. He's just ready to see if you're going to go there. And so he's saying, will you allow me to search you? Will you allow me to point those areas out? I want permission to go into that room, into that habit, into that behavior and search you. And you have to give God permission. And really what you're doing is you're saying, no more games. I want our relationship to be more intimate. Now we are great at covering things up. How do you know that? We are great at covering things up. And ever since Adam and Eve, we've been covering things up. Think about it. When Adam and Eve sinned, they started us down this journey of cover-ups for our sin. They sin, and what do they do? They go and hide from God, and then they sow fig leaves and cover up. And God's like, what are you doing? Well, we heard you and we hid. We were hiding. We we're trying to cover it up. Nothing to see here. New fig leaf attire. Nothing to see, you know? And ever since then, we've been trying to hide from God. And ever since then, God's saying, open yourself up. Let me search you. Let's be in relationship. That's now how I want it. I don't want you distant from me. I don't want you just getting grace and then running away. I want you getting grace and let's move forward in the grace that I give you. It's an amazing thing that when God uncovers those things and, and points them out to you, you know they're there, he knows they're there. And when he does it, he doesn't say, see, I should have never saved you in the first place. Look at how bad your sins are. He doesn't do it that way. He says, I love you, and I want to get that out. I want to take care of it. We're not going to just leave that there. We're going to put the new thing in. You know, he, I, he loves you. So you can be vulnerable with God. He's not going to abandon you. 
I mean, you know, it's not like people are worried, you know, when they're dating, like, well, if I reveal too much, is she going to run for the hills or not? Let's keep the facade up. You don't need to keep the facade up. God is not going to run from you. He's okay. He's going to be right there with you. He already knows it. And he's just asking you to increase the relationship to a new level of intimacy. Another thing, when you say search me, you know what you're doing? You're increasing your effectiveness for God. When you say search me, O God, you are increasing your effectiveness for God and you become more useful in his hands because as people look at your life and see the weeds being pulled out, They see effectiveness and they're like, wow, look what God's doing in them. And you look more beautiful and no one has to wonder about your life. I I think this, I wonder if our neighbors wonder about our life right now because of our weeds. I don't know if you do this, but sometimes I'll drive by a house and I'll see it kind of, the lawn is long and the dandelions are everywhere and the landscape is horrible. And I'll think, what's the story? Did they get divorced? Is it in foreclosure? Or is there an addiction? I mean, and you're like, all that for weeds? You know, but I mean, it doesn't fit in. It doesn't fit into the way that it was and what they have and what they spent and what they purchased. And so something must be wrong. And, and when, you, when people see the weeds in your life, they think something must be wrong. But when they see the weeds being pulled out and they see those things happening, it's attractive and you become more effective for God. And I think about this at our Edina area campus. There was a guy that wasn't a Christian. He's not a Christian. He started coming to our church because his niece is coming to the campus and he said, can I come to the church? Like, I'm seeing all the good that's happening in her life. And I was wondering, can I just, we were like, we're not part of church or anything, but can I just bring my whole family here? And uh, see, because what's happening in her life is so amazing. I was wondering if we could get around what's going on. That's because she's becoming more effective as God pulls out those weeds that are there. She's been given grace and the weeds are going and it's catching the attention. As you pull the weeds out, it will catch the attention of the world. Because hey, guess what? We are in the beautiful landscaping business of beautiful lives and weeds don't sell. Weeds don't sell, but when you start pulling the weeds out and it looks beautiful, they're like, hey, that's what I want. I want in on that. Third thing it does, it increases our happiness. Holiness increases your happiness. And you're thinking, no, I don't think so. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Think about this. Does lust or purity increase your happiness in the marriage? Does adultery or faithfulness increase your happiness? Does greed or generosity increase your happiness in life? Does anger or peace increase your happiness? Does being drunk or being sober increase your happiness? Think about this. Does being in bondage to a sin that you have to run back from work, jump on the internet, and you can't wait to be uh, online, and you, you say, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, but you come home from work, and you go to the internet, and you click away on this, or living free and not being bound by it. This increases your happiness. Holiness increases your happiness. And if it doesn't, then we're living holiness wrong. The closer you get to God, the more you look like him, the more you are with him, the more it increases your happiness. And here's the thing. It's God's desire for you to look like him. Let me say that again. It's God's desire for you to look like him. Here's what I mean. He gave you grace. And he didn't want to stop there. In some churches, it's a wrong thing to say like, all right, you're saved. You're not going to hell. Thank God for grace. And then we leave you there. That's wrong. It's you've been given grace. Now God has work for you to do because you've been given grace. He wants you to help others find grace. And guess what? He wants to purify you and pull the weeds out of your life because he's holy and he wants you to be holy. And here's the thing. 
Holiness is waiting for you in heaven. Follow me on this. Holiness is waiting for you in heaven. Why not get what's waiting for you in heaven in your now? If it's good enough for heaven, it should be good enough for your now. Does that make sense? There's no anger in heaven in that way. There's no lust in heaven. There's no profanity in heaven. Why not get what's in heaven in your now and look more like heaven and see what other blessings will flow into your life as you get more heaven into your now? So God saved you and he puts you to work and he's purifying you. Now here's the problem with people that don't know Jesus. They think it's the other way. They think I need to pull all the weeds and get to work, look like I'm busy. So when God comes, he's happy, okay? Wrong. You receive grace. God is happy, you're happy. Then you get to work. Then he pulls the weeds. You can never pull enough weeds to get God's salvation. He's like, I'll forgive you. I'll give you grace. I plant the beautiful garden. Then we get to work together doing things and you should find your job, your place to work in the church and be involved to do the good works that Ephesians says you were created for. And then he says, I'm gonna purify you. I'm gonna cleanse you. All those that have the hope of heaven purify themselves on the way to heaven and wanna get what's heaven in heaven in there now. That's how we live. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, these promises of heaven, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of a reverence for God. Wow, that's the way we should live. That's the way we should go, saying, God, I want you to perfect this holiness. I want to get rid of these weeds. I want to up our relationship. I want to be closer to you. I want to do this. I, I, I want to uh, be more effective around people in this world, and I want to get what's in heaven in my now. I want to do this. That's the mission that we're on. It's God's desire for you to look like him. Wow. And the way to do that, you could say, like, you're going to start thinking more of God. You're going to think of how important he is in your life and think more of God and less of yourself. You're going to respond often. And I know last week we had an altar time where people came and took a knee, and you're going to make that a regular time. Like, God, search me. You're going to pray this, search me. You're going to be in your soap scriptures daily. Just this week, I was drawn to this. As I was doing my devotions, just keeping regular spiritual weed maintenance, if you will, as we were reading this week, it was 1 Corinthians 5. And as I was reading 1 Corinthians 5, I couldn't help but Paul was talking to a church that had some immorality going on. And he's like, no, no, weed that out of the church. You shouldn't do that. And then he went and talked about the Passover. And he talked about Jesus is our Passover lamb and, and we need to enjoy the grace that he's given to us. And he said, we need to purge ourselves of all the leaven. And that's what I was talking about earlier. Paul was saying, Jesus has paid the price and given us this beautiful grace. And just like the Jewish people would go around and look for the leaven and get rid of all the sin before they'd eat the Passover, he's saying, church, listen up. Get rid of the sin. Pull the weeds. Get rid of the leaven. Get rid of the bad stuff because the gift of grace is so beautiful. Receive the grace, but do the job to get rid of the sin and thank God for the grace that's there. See what's going on when you read the word of God and all of a sudden you're doing regular weed maintenance and you're letting God pull those things out. He'll speak to you while you're doing your devotion time. You can ask others to help you on the journey. 
You can say, help me out. I need help on this journey. Will you point out something in my life? And you can talk to a trusted friend. You can use other people as markers and you can say, I want to follow them as they follow Christ. They're further along. And the other thing is never compare yourself to other people when it comes to holiness. Compare yourself to Jesus. This is not something we're graded on a curve. Like, well, I'm better than those guys, so I'll lighten up. It's not the way it is. You're comparing yourself to Jesus and you're saying, Jesus, I want to be holy as you are holy. And the last thing, something that could really help you out. As you pray, search me, O God, I think there's a practical way that you could apply this to your life. St. Ignatius Loyola came up with this. He called it the prayer of examine. He said basically this, at the end of the day, do the prayer of examine and look into your life. And as you get done with your day, just say, God, Today, as I walk through my day, now you could do this with your planner. You could actually have your phone or your iPad or whatever you're using, your planner, paper planner, whatever you've got, and you could say, God, at the end of my day, I want to walk through this day, and I just want to say, when did you smile on my day? The prayer of examine. When did you smile? So you go through your day, and you're like, okay, God, oh, that meeting there, I held my temper, didn't I? And, and I didn't blow up, and that was good. And God was like, that was good. I was so proud of you. Good job. And then there, that was good. Oh, and I, you know, and I, 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 I remember that and I gave a little bit there and I helped that person and did that. And, you know, and then I came home and played with the kids and, you know, you might be surprised that God's like, I was smiling there too. I was so glad you played with the kids. And you go through, okay, good. Okay, God, when did I grieve you? When is you examine me? As I pray this prayer and I look through my day, when did I grieve you? And all of a sudden, you're like, he'll point out, okay, remember that joke that you told at lunch? Remember how you felt that little embarrassment rush? That was me saying the joke was off color and it wasn't acceptable. Ah, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. Pull that weed out of my life. Where else did I grieve you today, God? Okay, in the car when you were yelling those words that no one heard, but I heard. I know your boss ticked you off, but that's no reason for those words to be coming out of your mouth. I don't care if it's in your car or not. In the silence of your car, those words shouldn't be coming out of your mouth. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaking. So let's deal with that. Okay. And later on, you kind of got a little edgy with your spouse. I wasn't happy with that. Oh, no, I know. Why don't you ask forgiveness before you go to bed so you can sleep good? All right, wow, search me, oh God. Search me. If we did that, how many know we're going to live a whole different life? It's gonna, we're going to get the positive reinforcement from the Holy Spirit. We're going to get the conviction. It's not bad dog, bad dog, bad dog. But instead, it's like, hey, that's got to go. And here's how I want you to live. The Holy Spirit will help you. And even if you think, well, I don't know how to live, ask God to tell you who you should talk to. Who has this virtue in their life that I need to talk to? God, if I'm not treating my spouse right, who has a great marriage that I could go talk to to have them speak into my life? God, if I have an anger problem, who have I heard share that they have an anger problem that God healed them? Who can I talk to? God, how can I change this? And he'll lead you and guide you. It's search me, oh God. Search me, oh God. And I think we need to pray it a lot more than we do. So let's pray it now. Lord, search us. Search us. Search us. Help us, God, to understand that we need to invite you to a deeper level of intimacy. We need to invite you to say, 
pull out the weeds, pull out the things that shouldn't be there. And you already know what's going on, but we want to give you permission to do surgery, to pull weeds, to eradicate the sin that is there, and to help us to be more holy, more pure, to look more like you. Lord, if it's in heaven, we want it in our now. And so, God, help us to put it in our now. Help us to pray at the end of the day, what made you smile, what made you frown, and the things that made you frown, God, may you lead us, may you purge it out of us and lead us into the way everlasting. Thank you, God, for this dangerous prayer. I pray we'd pray it. I pray we'd overcome our flesh. And we pray, search me, O God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.